This is November 24th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great week, gearing up for a fun Thanksgiving, hopefully a safe one as well. Hopefully there's some uh, some good food, some good drinks. Uh, really can't get better a better assortment of food than Thanksgiving. I feel like turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, gravy, cranberry sauce. Uh, some people have you know different other things. I think apple pie is the best. I think it's way better than pumpkin pie. Um, really just a good assortment of food. I, mean, I feel like there's no real like bad stuff on Thanksgiving. I know a lot of people think turkey's overrated, um, but I still think with everything else, I think it's delicious. Um, so I don't, I don't see any real weaknesses with Thanksgiving meals. I think they're, they're all good. Um, but at any rate, uh, in this episode, uh, Connor Ryan and I talk about, I mean, again, there's not a lot to talk about, but we did get into, you know, what Jake DeBrusque will end up doing. And then we get into an interesting dilemma between Vakanainen and Zaboral. Should they trade one of them to try to get something for them? So. We get into all that in this episode. I'll keep this intro short and sweet. Uh, first, though, NFL football continues on this week, which has a very few surprise teams at the top of the standings, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how schedules change or players play, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online. Headed to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Nothing much, man. What's going on with you? Doing well. Out of quarantine. Been four days out. I think that's the biggest off-season storyline of the year thus far. Considering I don't think we've had anything else really going on. I think, yeah, you you getting your freedom back is, is far and away the most important thing that I think your listeners are are paying attention to now. So I I think no, it's funny, I actually got uh, a Facebook message from from someone saying, I hope you're doing well, you know, hope you're hanging in there. I'm like, thanks, man. I got out today, but really appreciate it. Um, so everyone was following it. It was all over the news, but I'm out. I'm out. Thank God. Back home. So, uh, lucky me and lucky world because you guys get to see more of me. Congratulations. Exactly. Uh, um, at any rate, this is Bruins beat. And if you guys haven't noticed, there's not much going on in the Bruins world of late. And by much, I mean like, Nothing going on at all. After we got past the reverse retro jerseys, it's just been a barren wasteland. We, we, we should have known that that was going to be the, the last little nugget of info we were going to get for probably like a month now. The Bruins have been tweeting out pictures of old players and mustaches for like what feels like weeks now. Cause there's just, there's not much going on. It's funny. I always text you and I'm always like, if the NHL, could have a fourth of the excitement of the of the NBA offseason, or a fifth. I would take anything close to that. I mean, imagine if we were Celtics writers or podcasters or or, or like there's so much, oh, there's yeah. so much, and the and with Bruins with the NHL there's there's none of that, none of that. There's no super teams. There's no big you know the free agent stuff goes away in like a week. Uh, no drama. You know, it, 
the dra- there's no real drama with it. You know, Tory Krug signs with the Blues at like you know nine o'clock on a Friday night. Like it's just it's how it goes. But it's just it's annoying because I would love for it to be a little there be some more fireworks. Uh, but but I'll segue it with this: there could be some fireworks with the Bruins upcoming. There's still some unfinished business, and I'm not even kidding. It's not a joke. Oh, Jake, yeah. remember you guys remember that Jake DeBrusque still needs to be re-signed as an RFA? Did you guys forget that? So. There hasn't been any news on this front for a while. He's just kind of sitting there as an RFA. But when does this get done? Well, uh, I I think you're in a point now where maybe not exactly with DeBrus, but especially with another kind of uh, loose end with Dano Chara, where I don't think you're going to get a lot of clarity until probably you have more concrete details about this upcoming season. Um that's definitely more relevant for Chara, who I think it's one of those cases where he wants to see what this new season is going to look like before, you know, the guy's 43 years old. He wants to go through another whole season if it's going to be in a bubble or he's deferring all of his money or something like that. Like, I think that matters a lot to him. For DeBrus, won't matter quite as much because, I mean, he's still a young player. He's still got a lot of years ahead of him. But I think it very well could be a situation where the gears don't start turning on those contract talks until they have an actual set date for training camp. Cause I think that's where you can kind of set the parameters, right. Of a, of a contract negotiation for an RFA. Cause the chance those guys could hold out. There's a chance, you know, they're, they're trying to see how long they can kind of be in a game of chicken with, with their team in terms of getting the most money out of this, uh, these RFA negotiations. So it wouldn't surprise me if it drags into, you know, the kind of lead up to training camp with the brush, because again, it's a tough break for any free agent RFA during this time, right? You're going to be taking a lot less than you expected you were going to take. But, um, you know, I'm sure DeBrusque and his, you know, his agent are still hoping to at least get, uh, you know, a, a solid, you know, uh, raise in pay. You know, I don't think they're going to get the bump that you saw, you know, Besser or, um, Travis Konechny or any of those guys where it gets into like, you know, 5 million or something like that. But I mean, my, my hunch would be, you know, three and a half, three, seven, five, maybe four, uh, over like a two year deal. I think it's going to be another bridge deal, which at this point, you know, I think that's probably the best for all parties involved because the brusque at this point is probably like, all right, well, this, this year and probably next year are a shot, right? It sucks, but. If I, you know, keep with, you know, what I'm doing and I think I can be a 30 goal scorer and in two years, you know, I've kept at that level of production and the market kind of rebounds, then I'm in line for five plus million per year. So I think that's probably the the easiest kind of path for all parties to kind of get this resolved, but I don't expect it to uh, be a situation where it's going to be like, all right, you ready to sign this deal? All right. Yeah. Let's sign and get, move on. Like, I think it's definitely going to be a lot of uh, kind of going back and forth because, uh, again, the market's not great, but I'm sure DeBruskin and his agent are still hoping to at least get, you know, a, a solid return on um, kind of what he's put forward so far with the Bruins. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the two-year deal is the right move for, as you said, both sides because it's like, you know, you're not getting a big long-term deal in the next couple of years. You're, you're not. With the state of the league, with the state of your play, you absolutely need to just take the bridge deal. And the three and a half to four, I think, is the perfect range. Um, I think, I think we're kind of out of that window where he'd be traded. Um, yeah. I don't see that 
taking shape. I know, you know, at the beginning of the offseason, we kind of thought that could happen. I don't really see that happening now. Um, I feel like we would have heard, some stuff would have leaked. We would have heard a few rumblings about him potentially being shopped. And there really hasn't been any of that. There has not been a lot on the Jake DeBrusque trade front. I know at the beginning of the offseason, we were like, oh, they're definitely going to trade him to Carolina for like Jake Gardner or some bullshit like that. But there hasn't been any rumblings of that. My guess is it's sort of like the McAvoy Carlos situation last year where it's into training camp. They come back midway through and it's like, you know, whatever. I remember going into last year, we kind of thought like, oh my God, McAvoy could be holding out till like November and he was signed in the middle of training camp. So these things end up finding their ways done, finding a way to get done. I don't think the Bruins want to move on from DeBrusque. And I don't think DeBrusque wants to move on from the Bruins. So I would not be surprised to see that break way later on uh, whenever training camp decides to start, which I mean, we're in, what is it? We're recording this November 23rd. You're listening November 24th or a few days after. And there's no real like traction on anything with them starting. No, um, there's a return to play committee of like 15 or 16 players, but mm. they haven't, there's a lot of issues coming up with the NHLPA. Um, this doesn't look like it's going to get started for a while. No, I mean, they still have that targeted date of January 1st, which, I mean, again, they've, they've had that run. Uh, they announced that, I think, like October 6th, I think is when they set that date down, and you really haven't seen much happen since then. So, I mean, let's say they let's say they start January 1st. Um, that means training camp starts, what, December 14th, 15th, around then, two weeks? You'd think probably even more. I mean, you also have to get these guys – over to the States, you know, there's a lot of people in Europe or up in Canada, like easier so that you can't just be like, all right, we're ready to go. And these guys are <laughs> showing up. We're starting tomorrow. Yeah. There's still a pandemic going on. So there's still a few roadblocks <laughs> to deal with, but um, I mean, you'd be more uh, convinced about starting on the start of January if they were making inroads with some of the protocols. And it doesn't even seem like it's like the safety protocols or, stuff like that is a sticking point. You know, it's not like they're doing another bubble or something like that where these players, the NHLPS, be like, fuck, no, we're not doing that again, right? There's nothing like that. But now you're seeing uh, the fight over salary deferment is the thing that, you know, the the NHL wants another 13% for the, the players to defer their salary on top of, I think, the 10% they already agreed to in the CBA. So, you know, we, we look back in the summer and they – they sign off on that CBA for, I think, an extra four years. And we're like, oh, this is great. Like, this is the one positive of the shitty years. These two sides actually got along. And, you know, for the greater good, we're like, oh, wow, this, you know, we're at least going to avoid, you know, a lockout or something like that. We, you know, the players take that deferment and, like, the 20% escrow. And it's like, yeah, we, we know we have to sacrifice some money along the way. But it's kind of part of what, you know, the climate we're in right now. Now you have the owners like, by the way, we need another 13%. It's like, how do you think the players are going to react to something like that? Like, I, I know the, the times are tough, but after you put in all that work to sign a CBA to then just drop another, like, oh, by the way, another 13% a year, we're going to, we're going to take that. Like taxes, they come at you. Here's one yeah. tax. Here's another tax. So, uh, you know, it seems like all the reports you're hearing is that the NHLPA is not enthused about it, um, which is shocking. So even if this is something that gets resolved, you know, maybe it's they negotiated to like a, a 6% additional deferment or something like that. Um, it still doesn't give hope to the fact that we're going to be starting in early January because if you're, if you're 
putting, you know, that deadline down and you really are kind of sticking to it, you need to be kind of have, you know, signed off on all the paperwork, you know, cross the T's, dot the I's by this week, I think. I don't think you can go, I don't think you can go into the end of November, start of December and just be like, yeah, training camps in two weeks. This is like another lockout because it's not the safety protocols. That's not what's being held up here. Like I think they have that kind of a little bit under control. At least they know what they're going to do for that. But it's the money aspect of it. It's it's legitimately just another lockout because the NBA has a plan. The, again, maybe we should transition to covering basketball. But the NBA has a plan. They're going to come back at a certain date, you know, right before Christmas. Talk about a Christmas gift with them coming back. Um, all these things are happening. Tatum signs an extent. Just it, there's some lightning right there, by the way. I don't know if you watch that. this on YouTube. If you watch this on YouTube, big flash of lightning. It's November. What the hell? Um, but. Yeah, they got to figure something out to come back, and that's a loud clap of thunder. Um, I, by the way, I'm getting distracted, but um, this morning or Monday morning, I had to go to a doctor's appointment at like 7:30 in the morning in uh, Wellesley, and it was pouring rain. Talk about a horrible start to a Monday! Pouring rain, shitty out, just like ass, ass. Um, you should be, you should be meteorologist. That should be like your forecast. Ass. Today is going to be ass. That's what my meteorology, uh, my, my, uh, my report should be. Uh, by the way, it's funny. There was a, uh, during a Patriots game recently, um, I forget what channel it was, but I was watching it. It was the Ravens game. Mm-hmm. It was the night of the Ravens Sunday night football game where it was pouring like badly. And they cut out at the very end of the first quarter. So like it, it was coming like, or it was, I think the, I think Lamar Jackson was taking the Ravens down the field, ended up throwing a pick. I missed it. Because the local news took over to basically just say it was raining outside. I mean, like, why? Like, I can tell. Information you need, Evan. So, oh, it's annoying. But anyways, I digress. Um, so yeah, hopefully the NHL returns soon. You also mentioned Chara. I don't see Chara going anywhere. Um, solely because I think in the you're in the midst of a pandemic. You're 43 years old. You have a family. You're deeply rooted in Boston. People are like, oh, he's going to Toronto. Oh, he's gonna go, you know, to Team X or Team Y. I don't see that happening. I really don't. And I don't think it makes sense for him. And he's he says he wants to stay here. I think the only option is Bruins or retirement. Yeah, I I also want to add on top of I think now, especially where you're seeing as tough as kind of the the COVID climate is right now that. They're hoping, you know, fingers crossed that, you know, vaccinations could start by December. And, you know, I expect that is going to gradually ramp up through January and February all the way. I think the, there's a few experts who said hopefully things can be somewhat normal by like early May. Like I wouldn't be surprised if the NHL is also like, you know what, we're still in this kind of labor dispute. Like fuck it. We're going to like, you know, aim to go for February and if it's, two months of kind of a, a rough kind of go of it in terms of attendance, but we can gradually start easing things up as we get more people vaccinated. I mean, for a league that's so dependent on gate revenue, I think that kind of makes a lot of sense rather than try to rush through this negotiation and then start in January when none of us is even going to be there to start. So, so I, I could see that definitely being kind of a rough take because I think the fact that they're going to have a lot of empty barns isn't really going to help them out that much. Maybe at the gates, at the at the front of the garden, in front of these ranks and arenas, you can just vaccinate the people as they walk in. So they come in, boom, shoot them up. They're good to go. They're boom. We just figured it out. 
that we do that for anti-vaxxers. It's like, all right, well, you can't go into the Bruins campus to get a shot, you dummies. So you have to go. You have to get vaccinated to go in this place. Sorry, I'm I'm gonna take a stand against vaccinations. Yeah. Um, my one of my favorite. One of my least favorite, favorite arguments, uh, yeah. is the anti-vaxxer, uh, is the anti-vaxxer row. But anyways, anyways, um, there's another interesting Bruins tidbit out there. And, I, and this is sort of a theory I have or what I think they should do. So Joe Haggerty reported about five days ago that a source told him that they're shopping, um, Erho Vakaninen. Um, whether or not that gets done is another thing. Um, but I think it's an interesting thing to think about because we've talked about this at length. Going into this season, it feels like on the left side, you have two younger left shot defensemen from Providence and Jacob Zborl and Erho Bakkenainen vying for a spot in the top six, or at least up in Boston. And to me, I think if you have both of them there with Matt Grizzlick, I think you're not, you're not even close to deep enough. That is two chances you're taking on the back end that could go wrong. But, you know, it's not likely to be that, that, you know, going into a season where you're competing with the division that the Bruins could be competing in, as we've talked about and Greg Wyshynski tweeted, I think it was the same one that we said it was probably going to be, you know, Rangers, uh, Penguins, you know, you have all these teams. Uh, actually, I don't know if the Penguins are in it. Penguins are actually not. They're in the Central, which is kind of funny. But I think Carolina is the team that kind of swaps out what we we thought it was going to be. So yeah, so it's it's a it's a stacked division. Rest in peace to the Devils and the Sabers because those yeah. two teams are going to be toast. Um, but at any rate. You put that left side up against those teams. You're not feeling great. So to me, I think it would make sense to trade either one of Zaboral or Vakaninen. And the one to trade, because he has way more value, is Vakaninen. I feel like Vakaninen probably has a lot more trade value right now than a guy like Zaboral because Vakaninen was, you know, is, I, I believe he's younger. He was drafted two years later. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like trading Vakaninen, I mean, I don't know what you get for him. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can find a serviceable left shot defenseman, but I mean, that's kind of, I don't know what team would be giving up an experienced left shot defenseman for someone yeah. who's not experienced. That wouldn't make a yeah. lot of sense, but maybe you get a forward out of it. I, I don't know. Maybe you can get something for him. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think at this point where, I mean, I'd be surprised if a trade happened one, because I think every team is right now scared shitless of trading anyone or moving money or, you know, just giving away assets or something like that. So I think that's obviously the the biggest roadblock, but um, I also don't know what exactly his trade value is. Like, I think, you know, people are excited to see maybe what that Canadian can bring, but it's not like he's, you know, tore up the AHL last year or, or his values at an all-time high where he's like, you know, oh, yeah, we'll give you a, a guy who's 29, 30 just for a chance to get back an iron. And, you know, I, I think he's still a talented player, but it's not like he's kind of had like a steady uphill climb in terms of his development. I mean, he go, comes over from Europe and he goes, yeah, he, he comes over from Europe, uh, impresses out of, the, out of the gate with Providence, has a really, really good world juniors, um, and then gets injured. Last year is a bit more of a struggle. I mean, like Bruce Cassidy literally like calls him out for he's a shitty uh, practice player. <laughs> um, you know, doesn't uh, you would expect he'd be the kind of the last defenseman, like Providence defenseman out of training camp last year. Chickasboro kind of leapfrogs him there and is the last defenseman left in camp. Um, so, um, I mean, at this point, too, I think if you're the Bruins and you're worried about, you know, making sure you have cap flexibility. I don't know what, how it really helps you to, um, 
trade a guy like that kind of who you don't really know what you have, but you could have something good. He's cheap. And I don't know what exactly that you're going to get in return for him. I don't think you're, you know, it's not like he's a, uh, a guy that, you you know, if you traded Stanika, which they wouldn't do, right. You know, you would get something good in return. If you traded probably Frederick, maybe another piece, like you'd probably get something promising in return, but like Feature. that. Kind of, yeah. Feature, uh, you know, but Vac and I, I don't know if you're getting like a, it wouldn't be like a one for one swap or something like that. Right? <laughs> you know, it's not, not getting a Bob McKenzie. You're telling like you're, you're, you're telling me that Vakanian is not going to the the Lightning for uh, Victor Hedman. Yeah. So like, I mean, if he, if he's part of a, a large deal, then it makes sense. But I don't know what you're gonna get if he's just kind of the one player you want to move. And if you just look at the the roster and you know how he's at least a valuable. It's kind of like Anders Bjork, right? Like you don't really know where exactly Anders Bjork is gonna fit into the lineup. You expect hopefully he's a third liner, but you also don't want to move him because he's making what, like 1.6 million for the next three years. Like, yeah. Considering the market right now, that's a, a piece you don't move, especially when you don't really know what you have, but you're at least intrigued by what he can bring you. So, um, that's kind of, kind of how I view it. Like I'd be surprised. I don't know why they'd be actively shopping him unless like he's just been horrible overseas in terms of what they've seen from him during training, you know, during this kind of lull in play, but it seems odd to kind of punt on a player like that right now, considering you have so many holes on that left side. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, cause I don't, again, I don't know if you're going to get, you're not going to get like a, a veteran left shot defense or an experienced one, at least in return. I mean, it, it wouldn't, you, 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 I don't know how you would do that deal. You'd have to package back an eye in with like picks or I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't, again, he makes good money. So it's also just like, what's the point? The, the value, I feel like the risk is worth it with these guys, but I still, you look at that left side and you think, I don't know how they are going to really compete to the level that they want to compete with that left side, unless the Borland back or John Moore, or they switch a righty over there. Like yeah. unless they flourish, yeah. I don't know how you sort of overcome that. Um, but they seem okay with it thus far. I mean, they don't seem to be actively, you don't hear their name actively looking for defensemen or left shot defensemen. So we'll see how that goes. That's sort of been the storyline of the off season. I also think that, uh, the Bruins are pretty high on Lozon. I think they're probably going to. Oh, Lozon as well. I can't believe I forgot him. I think, uh, too. I think Cassidy was speaking on NHL network, I think late last week and they were kind of chatting about, don't know if Char's coming back and what you do then. And Cassidy talked quite a lot about Lozon, his improvement last year and stuff like that. So like, I don't, if, you know, your second pairing is just like Lozon Kahlo and that's like kind of just a shutdown option or something like that. Like, again, you look on paper, it's not the most, you know, intriguing option, but you could see the case where if he takes a good step forward, it's still like a solid kind of shutdown line there um, with Kahlo kind of anchoring that, that pairing. So they have options, just you're putting a lot of risk for a team that you hope is going all in that you need two or three younger players to really kind of break through or take really big steps forward. It's funny. I always, I don't know why I always forget Lazan, but he will definitely be in the potentially top four. Um, he absolutely, he's six one and you put him with Carlo. He's a big body. I mean, we talked, you've talked about this at length, you know, these teams that win the Stanley cup and get there have, bigger defensemen and are better at, you know, not letting guys to the front of the net. You put Carlo and Lazan together, you know, you basically have McAvoy Grizzlick on the first pairing. It's an all offensive, you know, not all offensive, but 
pretty offensive pairing. And then you have those two on the second pairing. That's a shutdown pairing. And then you have, you know, if Chara returns, you could have Chara Clifton. You know, if Chara doesn't return, it could be Saboral and Clifton. So I think, the, and there's also Kevin Miller, there's John Moore. Uh, there's also Steven Camper as well. So mm-hmm. they have options back there. Just, it doesn't, it's not going to jump on paper at you, off the paper at you like Tory Crew would. Yeah. Um, or Oliver Ekman Larson would. Remember that? Remember that fun phase back yeah. in, uh, September when it was like the Oliver Ekman Larson. The offseason was, off was fun then. It was so fun. That was why I was like, maybe there's a chance it continues. And it didn't. And I'm annoyed by it. But because I, I remember thinking like, Oh, it'll be hot for September and a little October with the draft. And then it'll have a lull, but then it'll be all like, you know, returning to play and training camps. Where, where is this training camp and returning to play stuff been? I mean, Jesus. Um, but at any rate, today, short episode today. Uh, but Connor, before I let you go, is there anything that you are working on? Yeah, we're going to have, uh, even though it's the week of Thanksgiving, so content will be not as, not as hectic. We're still going to have a whole bunch of stuff breaking down. I think we're going to be checking in on all the players overseas to see how they're doing. Uh, you know, Johnny Beecher scored his first goal this past weekend with Michigan, um, against Wisconsin. So I think we're going to do kind of a running series where we just, I think every week probably keep tabs on all these players that are overseas. I, I think that back in nine and, um Cooper Zek I think both got loaned to teams today on Monday so um and I think probably as we wait more and more and you know we know the AHL is not going to start until at least February I think so I think you're going to see a lot more of these players um heading either overseas or in some league to kind of stay fresh so we'll be keeping tabs on that over at BSHA so subscribe at bostonsportsjournal.com and you can follow me on Twitter at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. And for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins P listeners have a great rest of your week. 